Now, turn to Psalm 32. I've chosen this psalm for today because today is a communion Sunday. Many of the psalms are perfect for communion. Um, and I've stretched them out in the plan for the rest of this year. I've tried to take those kind of psalms and put them on communion Sundays. And here we've come to this one, the first one, Psalm 32. Let me read it to you. It's 11, 11 verses long. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy. All you upright in heart. Well, this, this psalm is, is amazing because it, it speaks about the happiness of forgiveness. The happiness of forgiveness. You see there in verse 1 how it starts, says, Blessed, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. In verse 2, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And then the, that's the way it begins. Blessed, blessed. And we know that uh, we've already seen that. Uh, and talked about that, that word blessed in, in one sense. It can be translated happy, happy. It's a little deeper than a surface happiness. It's, it's more profound than that. But the word happy fits. Happy is this person. It starts that way. And then look how it ends in verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy. It's like, this is awesome. This is... Um, uh, yeah, sometimes I, I, I wonder why we can get so excited at sports events and, and then we're just so blah in church. Sometimes the blahness isn't blahness as we're, we're humbled and all of that. But friends, we've got a reason to shout. Amen? That we've been forgiven. And that's what he's talking about, this happiness that we have. The one who is forgiven has a happiness that is almost beyond description. And I want us to see in this psalm five reasons for the happiness of forgiveness. And I, I um, am going to offer a few thoughts on all of these, and one in particular I'm going to spend a little bit more time, but mainly my, my, uh, my goal this morning is to show it to you and then stay out of the way and let God talk to you from this beautiful psalm. 
first reason, number one, is forgiveness is complete. Forgiveness is complete. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. Notice that in these two verses, there's three different words for, for sin. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Transgression, sin, iniquity. Three different words in English, and there are three different Hebrew words underneath this. And without taking time to go into the different shades of meaning of those three different words, it's enough this morning to say that it's all different kinds of sin. Amen? That God forgives any sin that you can think of, any kind of sin, any waywardness, any stubbornness, any indulgence. Uh, it's all, when he forgives, he forgives it all. Amen? So there's no sin that you have done or no omission of something you should have done, which the omission then becomes sin. Nothing that you can do or not do is outside of God's forgiveness. He can forgive it all, and he will forgive it all as we follow through in the, in the psalm. But there's also three different words for forgiveness, three different phrases, three different ways to describe forgiveness. It says, again, in verse 1, Blessed is one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. You see the different image. He's covered it up. And blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. So he's not counting you as unrighteous or as sinful. Three different words for sin. Three different words for forgiveness. And all of it is showing us that forgiveness from God is complete. Jesus hung on the cross and he said, It is finished. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah for that. We can be happy. Amen? <laughs> Oh gosh, sometimes we look at ourselves in the mirror, whether it's figurative or, or literal, and we think, we think you, you just haven't learned how long does it take you to learn? You just keep on sinning, right? You keep on disappointing yourself. Hopefully the graph is going up. We're getting better as the years go by. But even as we get, as we grow closer to the Lord, we're more and more aware of how far we sh fall short. But his forgiveness is complete. Secondly, <clears throat> forgiveness is a gift. Now, you might wonder, now where do you see that in Psalm 32? Well, the way to see it here is to go to a place where the Apostle Paul speaks about forgiveness and then he, he dips back into Psalm 32 and quotes it. And this helps us to see the meaning of Psalm 32. So, turn to Romans chapter 4. It's on page 941, if you're using one of our Bibles here. Romans chapter 4, beginning uh, verse 1. I just want to talk our way through this. <clears throat> So I'm going to begin at verse. I'm going to begin at verse one, and 
somehow it's just so appropriate that when I'm looking like this at the at my the passage that the the table set the Lord's table is right there this is just so good what then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh for if Abraham was justified by works okay let's stop some of you that have been around the church for a long time you know what that means others these are new words justified is the is is a kind of a legal term which it means that you're counted you're counted as being righteous you're you're being reckoned in the court as being not guilty so you're justified means you're being declared not guilty and so he says if Abraham was justified declared not guilty before God and then it says by works and what that means is it's by the things that he's done. So he's worked. He's tried to be good so that then God would count him as being not guilty. But so that's what he's saying. He said, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. You get to boast in heaven. You get to be proud. You get to uh, pat yourself on the back. Look what I did to get here. Right? So... Paul is setting this up. He's saying, for if Abraham, if is a big word in this sentence, if Abraham was justified by works, he's got something to boast about. He could have put a period right there and started a new sentence, but Paul was too quick. He couldn't stand it, and he had to say, but I'm not, this wasn't it, because he goes on. He says, but not before God. That's not how it works before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. In Genesis it says, Abraham believed God. No, it was by faith in God that Abraham was made right with God. It wasn't by him trying to be good. And then in verse 4, Now, to the one who works, the one who keeps trying to be good, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And there's that word gift has shown up here. You see that word gift? See, this is what's being said. What Paul is trying to say is forgiveness from God is a gift. If you work for something, when you work hard, I've said this before, you work hard all month and your employer gives you your paycheck, you don't say, hey, wow, thanks, man, I appreciate, appreciate this gift. No, you worked for it all month, right? You might say thanks, but it's a, you know, you worked for it. This is not a gift. And he's saying, he's saying here that um, in verse 4, if you work for this, it's not a gift. But verse 5 says, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. He's, he's getting up to the point that, no, 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 no. We find forgiveness through believing in someone, not by working hard to be good enough. And then, you see, in verse 6, he starts to talk about David. Just as David also speaks of the blessing, I'm going to say, of the happiness of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And then he quotes Psalm 32. 
Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Paul is saying, no, what I see in Psalm 32 is forgiveness is a gift. You don't work for it. He counts you as not guilty, not because you've earned it, but because you believed in him. And then he goes on and look how he ends the chapter. Verse 23. Look at verse 23. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. This wasn't just for Abraham. This wasn't just for David. It's for us. And it goes on, verse 24. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Amen. So he says, this is about Jesus Christ. And he, it says, was delivered up, in verse 25, for our trespasses. The thing that we need forgiveness for is our trespasses, our sin against God. Jesus was delivered up for that. He went to the cross and died in our place. And because he did it, and he was raised from the dead, now if we trust in him, we are forgiven. Amen? As a gift. And this is so, so hard for our sinful self to get really deep in us. That it's a gift. We don't, we don't earn it. We receive it as a gift. Forgiveness is complete and forgiveness is a gift. Thirdly, forgiveness ends the struggle. Forgiveness ends the struggle. Look at verse 3. Back to, uh, back to Psalm 32. <clears throat> For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Hallelujah. Uh, he's describing in here the experience that we all have to one degree or another. That we, that we, we wrestle until we finally confess to God our sin. There's unrest in the heart. There's a sense of un, being unable to be truly satisfied in life. And then there's a realization on top of that unrest. There's a realization that what I'm doing and saying and thinking is wrong before God. And in the middle of all the unrest then, there becomes this great sense of guilt. And so I walk through life uneasy and feeling the guilt that I cannot get off of me. And then in the midst of that, then it progresses and I know what I need to do. There's Jesus Christ. He's gone to the cross for me. If I will go to him and surrender my life to him and confess my sin and say, I'm, I'm on you now, Lord, I'll find forgiveness, but I don't want to do it. I wrestle and I walk 
I keep silent. You see verse 3? I keep silent. I'm not going to confess. I'm not going to open my mouth and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for this and this, and I give my life to you. I keep silent. But in the inside, my bones waste away. I groan all day long. God's hands on me heavy. My strength's dried up. And then finally, finally, the second part of verse 5, I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you, Lord, forgive my sin. Amen? Forgiveness ends the struggle. 1 John 1, 9, we know it, says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wonder where you are this morning in this process. I wonder if, if any of you this morning are somewhere in that process that I've described where God's putting his hand heavy on you to get you just to confess. Will you open your mouth and go to Jesus and say, I'm wrong about this and this. I need forgiveness and I come to you for it. But you're resisting it. Friend, I just want to urge you, we've all been there. Just go to Jesus, open your mouth, and run to him. Confess your sin and find forgiveness. Amen? And you know, this stands for believers too. Because we want to maintain, once we've entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we need this dynamic over and over again. It can still occur where I've done something wrong, I've failed in some way. But I need a clear conscience. I need things cleaned up just to keep walking with God. It's not that I've fallen out of eternal forgiveness. But, it, but my relationship now with God, the experience of God is all gummed up. I remember Acts 24:16, where Paul said, I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards God and man. I want that clear conscience before people and before God. And so that same dynamic can happen in our own lives where, where it's not right and on the inside my bones are wasting away and I'm groaning. And it's just because, it says in verse 3, I've kept silent so far. I know what I need to do. I need to go to God and confess my sin and find refreshment and cleansing there. Oh, friends, if that's where you're at this morning, there's no better place to be than right here today and at the Lord's table. Amen? Amen. Forgiveness ends the struggle. And then, sobering but true, forgiveness is not universal. Forgiveness is not universal. Look at verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Apparently, there's a time when God will not be found. He said, praise God, you know, go to God when he can be found. Offer prayer to you at a time where you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. There's a rush of great waters coming. I, I, I think when I read that, I think about the flood in, in Genesis and Noah, the time of Noah, and how the, he preached to them, he preached and preached to them, and they ignored and ignored and ignored. Then the, the, the waters come, the rush of great waters, and those who had trusted in God were in the ark, and the others weren't, and they were swept away. 
when the judgment came and it was that time, there was no more getting in the ark. It was over. The opportunity was over. So forgiveness is not universal. Not everyone is going to find forgiveness. Not everyone's going to call on Jesus Christ. And then when, it, when the end comes, it's too late. But here we are, and we're saying, blessed, happy is the one who's found forgiveness. Amen? Wow, I'm in the ark. I got in the ark. Thank you, Lord. You put me in the ark. Forgiveness is not universal. And then, forgiveness begins a relationship. I've already kind of alluded to that, but look at verse 8 and 10. 8 through 10. I will instruct you. Now, in verse 8, God is speaking. It switches. So in verse 8, God is speaking. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. And then the psalmist switches now. He's speaking in verse 10. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. What's happening here? In verse 8, it's interesting. See, before that, it's been the psalmist. It's been David saying, oh, happy am I and happy is anybody who's found this, this complete and this free gift and, uh, of forgiveness and this not universal, but we have it and it ended the struggle in our heart. Praise God for that. And then it's saying, God is saying, yes, and that's not just an event. It's the beginning of something. You've gone, to, you've come to me, if I can speak in God, you know what I mean, I'm just trying to be figurative here a little bit. God is just saying, you've come to him now, you've found forgiveness, that you've gone through a doorway, and now after that, it's different. You're walking with God. I'm close to you. See verse 8? I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to teach you in the way you should go. I'm going to counsel you with my eye upon you. You're not just coming to... (laughs) I think about the bank. We go to the bank, right? We go to the bank and for a few brief moments we're talking to the teller. We're face to face with the teller. And then we leave. And uh, let's say they gave you some money, which was nice. You know, it was always nice. Withdrawals are nice. So you get, you get something and you leave. But their eye is not on you. This wasn't the beginning of some wonderful relationship where this person is going to keep giving you money. You know, you know, it's, not, it's not the beginning of something. It was a transaction. Sometimes we think that coming to Christ for forgiveness is some kind of transaction and then we go about our business. No, 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 no. It's a total change. His eye is on you. His voice is going to be in your ear. You don't have to be like a horse and a mule that just bumps into things until they find the right place to go. Or he has to put a bit in your mouth and jerk your head around to get you in the right place. No, you're walking with him now. Now, he's with you. Amen? Forgiveness begins a relationship. And so it is that, that a continual confession of our sin to the Lord maintains that relationship. It keeps the relationship fresh and growing. 
When there's, when there's kinks in this thing, when there's, uh, when there's uh, chips in our armor, when we've, when we've said things and, and, and done things or not done things, and we've sinned and fallen short, we need to ask the Lord's forgiveness. Just go to him and say it. Forgive me, Lord, for this was wrong and this was wrong. Part of what it means to confess our sins is to name them. Confessing your sin means to agree with God. A confession is an agreement that, Lord, yes, this, that was wrong. And this, that was wrong. And this, that was wrong. Sometimes we want to go to God and just give a blanket statement and not deal with the particulars. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I know I'm a bad guy. And he waits. <laughs> Yeah, but what about what you said to your wife yesterday? Ah, uh, well, forgive me, Lord, I'm a bad guy. And he waits until finally I say, Lord, what I said to my wife yesterday was wrong. Would you forgive me? He's going to press us. His hand is going to be heavy upon me, like it says in verse 4, until I deal with the particulars. And then you don't have to worry if there's particulars out there that you don't remember. God's, this, remember, he's walking with us. We're walking with him. Then, then you've got the then you've got the uh, Lord forgive me for whatever else I can't remember. And that's fine. But when there's particulars that the Lord wants you to deal with, he's not going to take his hand off you until, you until you go to him and say, and this, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for this. And that, Lord, forgive me. This forgiveness begins a relationship and keeps the relationship fresh and growing. Man. Forgiveness is complete. Amen? Forgiveness is a gift. It ends the struggle. It's not universal. And it has begun and maintains a relationship with the living God. How happy can you be? Amen? How happy can we be? Praise his name. Let's enjoy the happiness of the forgiveness at the Lord's table this morning. Oh Lord God, we... We thank you, Lord, for the, your forgiveness. We thank you, oh Lord, that it's free. Free in the sense that we don't pay for it. Yet it wasn't free to Jesus. He paid for it. But then we receive it as a gift. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Because we could have spent our whole life trying to earn it and we wouldn't have been good enough. So we receive it from you, O oh Lord, and give you praise. And thank you that we're in the ark. Others didn't make it and won't make it, but we're there. And we thank you, Father, for that. And thank you, O oh Lord, for ending the struggle. Our foolish hearts, Lord, my heart, I can think back at times. We wrestle. Our pride keeps us from just saying it. I was wrong. Forgive me, Lord. Father, we just thank you that you end the struggle in our hearts. And I pray that even this morning, struggles would end and forgiveness would be experienced. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.